0: Well, good morning, everybody, and a very warm welcome to our Sunday morning service, particularly if you are a, a visitor or a newcomer. And whether you're here with us in person in the building or whether you're watching online, it's great to be able to, to worship together. In case you're not aware, today is our World Mission Sunday, in which we have a particular focus on what God is doing throughout His world. This morning, very pleased to have uh, Steve Smith with us. Steve is the, uh, the UK director of SIM UK mission organization that supports two of our missionary couples, the Hunts in Nigeria and uh, the childs in, in Egypt. Uh, he'll be preaching for us and uh, sharing something of the work of SIM, and um, we pray, inspiring us all to get involved in world mission. And then this evening we have a world mission prayer and praise service, in which will be joined online. By John and Abby Hunt from Nigeria, um, and in person by our own Steve and Matilda Smith, not to be confused, and uh, so please do join us for that at uh, 6 o'clock this evening. You may also know on the theme of mission that Dave Green has felt called by the Lord to use his practical skills to serve the Lord in overseas mission. Uh, he's currently with a team um, in Eswatini, gaining some cross-cultural um, experience, but copies of his testimony and prayer letter are available, so do please pick one of those up on your way, way out and pray for him uh, as he continues to pursue the Lord's calling on his life. Let me read from Psalm 67 as we start our service. Psalm 67 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace towards us. That in Jesus Christ we have been saved and reconciled to you. We praise you that you loved us before we loved you. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And as we thank you for those who made Jesus known to us. So we pray that you would use us to make you and your gift of salvation known to all nations. So that all peoples would praise you and rejoice in you. So we pray that as we gather together this morning, as we meet with you, that you would help us see more of your glory, more of what you are doing throughout your world. And you would give us a greater desire to serve you and magnify you. In Jesus' name. Amen before steve comes and speaks to the children be good just to get to know him a little bit more so steve if you want to come up to the front we'll ask you a couple of questions um so we've known each other quite a few years we were at oak hill bible college together many years ago um since then god's blessed you with a lovely family can you tell us about, about your family situation yeah no I'm
1: married to, uh, to gwyn we've been married for over 20 years and um joshua my oldest is 16 matthew it's my football cheeky boy yes. he's 14 and Lily is just going to be turning 12. She tells me how to run my life, um, and I think she's almost 21 already. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Tell us about how God called you into full-time ministry,
1: and um, where He gave you that, that passion for particular for, for world mission. So, yeah, so I know I haven't been asked that question for a long time actually. It's been a while since I've been asked that, but it really was when I first came to Christ, age 14. I had the privilege of people coming alongside my. Sort of teenage, angsty life, and shared their life with me, loved, loved me and the moment I realized that Jesus on the cross had died in my place for my forgiveness, that just changed my life, and it made me want to give everything of my life a bit like what we 've sung my every breath in in his service and so at school, I was involved in the Christian union um, and beyond that, began thinking, okay, so how do I serve Christ? A so them short Took a year out Went to Kenya Taught maths uh, For a year And found out That I got on really well In that part of the world um, Came back Did some youth work Student ministry In the UK So did, Tried by doing And saw what people said And whether that was a Confirmed thing to do or not And as you get going As you get, as you get working in, in churches And in evangelism People will tell you What they think And, and it's listening to people who you respect and who are mature saying maybe you should do more of that or less of that and actually it's, it's, it's a community thing isn't it yeah. a, a calling into the gospel yeah. and then so we uh, i went to full-time church ministry after that and then the church said why don't you um go overseas and 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 go to east africa and do and do some of the work you're looking to do so and and that one thing led to another.
0: So that's since uh, college. Um, uh, tell us what, what, how
1: God has led you over those years. It's been what uh, 16, 17 years now. Yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, the church that sent Gwyn and I with our, our firstborn Joshua, aged eight, eight, eight nine months, to, to Kampala, um, supported us, loved us. We had bereavement four years in. Um, I was involved in with, with Gwyn in local children's ministry, but also training pastors. Locally, and But once once those breamets happened, we came back to look after our family in the church that said, why don't you lead, lead a church plant? So actually that circumstance is one of, we wouldn't have chosen, but the Lord and his providence led us to then lead a church plant in London for, for four years. And God just established that through prayer and Bible teaching and sharing, sharing the gospel um, locally. We're in our primary school. And once that really got established, Gwyn and I started praying about should we stay for another 10 years or the lord uses us elsewhere and that's when sim came knocking and saying we need someone to help lead lead the agency to help churches receive missionaries as well as to send many more so that's when i came to this, this role
0: Grace, and in terms of world mission how encouraged are you about the spread of the gospel um, and the grace of god's church in different parts of this world uh, how do you see the scene today
1: well it's quite hard to answer that question from um a a post-pandemic perspective, because we've all been locked down. I've not visited any of the teams in person for uh, two, three years, but we've been connecting online a lot more. And the thing, the first thing I'd say is, is I'm people during the lockdown have made decisions that they have delayed. So whether it's a church overseas getting more involved with loving their community in in a great in, yeah, when when there's been a great health needs, or people thinking about shall I serve Christ overseas. Shai Shantai suddenly pandemic focuses our attention we say well oh, actually let me use my life for, for his glory and we've had more people wanting to be sent uh, by the churches okay. now which is encouraging yeah, yeah. I think yeah. globally the, the one of the big trends that we're responding to as SIM is the is the missionary movement from the major- majority church and that's sub-equatorial and um so a lot of what we do now is to work in multi-ethnic teams um where you've got a, a Westerner, an East African, West African, some from Southeast Asia. Lots of different perspectives, but all serving the same gospel, the same Christ. And, and what we're seeing is a, is, a, is a new movement of what we're calling the faithful witness teams, where we're finding those places where there generally is no church. And for me, that's what an agency ought to be helping with. Uh, going with a church can't, can't send people easily and actually going to those harder-to-reach places. So setting up a team environment where churches can send workers to be useful where there generally is no opportunity to hear of Christ in their lifetime, whether that's Thailand or Mali or North Africa or other places. But even in, in Europe, we're looking to, to, to start teams there too.
2: For over 125 years, SIM has existed as a global community of Jesus Disciples committed to sharing the gospel where it is needs to know Today, SIM works across 18 nations on all five inhabited continents, sending and receiving workers, equipping churches and people for cross-cultural mission, and making disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. We asked Penny Bakewell what it means to be a faithful witness in her context of Ghana, where she has served for over 17 years.
3: So I can think of one young man who every day he goes out. And he meets a group of Muslims who sit under a tree, and he just is with them. He sits with them. He listens to life as they experience it. Um, they ask him questions. But it takes time, and it's a being with the people. And if I think of all of the pe- all of our missionaries in the north, that is what they're doing. They're building. Relationships. They're living with the people. They are showing the love of Christ in order that they might share the love of Christ. This same young man um, visited uh, the marketplace just towards the end of the market day. And he found these little old ladies uh, picking up bits of rice from amongst the, the gravel, the dirt. And he began to engage with these elderly ladies, and found out that they were they were widows. And at the end of every market day, they come and they pick out the rice from the ground so they A, have something to eat, and if they get lucky, they have something to sell. And this young man was really challenged by God's love for the widow and the vulnerable, and realized this was an area that the church really wasn't addressing. So he's built a ministry with the church, with the local church, towards um, these, these widows, and he's made their need known. And the joy on these women's faces—they know they are truly loved by God because they're seeing the outpouring of that love through His people. Particularly in Ghana, relationship is everything. We can only do what God has called us to in community, and that is the church. The church is the instrument through which God will make himself known. Um, And therefore, in everything we do, we need to be doing it in community, in community with the church.
2: In today's rapidly globalizing world, it is becoming more and more clear that mission is no longer an activity from us to the world, but from the world to the world. As well as mobilizing workers to join multi-ethnic and multicultural teams overseas, SIM also provides access to training resources and courses for UK churches and networks to help them cross barriers and proclaim the good news here. In addition, SIM also works with these churches to receive cross-cultural workers to the UK to help reach diaspora communities here. Lawrence and Elizabeth Cha from Sierra Leone are one such couple who are preparing to move to Glasgow to assist Harper Church in their ministry to displaced people seeking asylum in Scotland. The Lord himself orchestrated our sex because that having served in West Africa all these years, the Lord is saying, Lawrence, you need to move out and reach out with the gospel beyond the West African zone. Initially, when, he, when I was given the budget, he said, you know, this is what I need to raise <laughs> before we go to Glasgow. I said, wow, how can do this from Africa? We are not in UK, we are not in Canada, like we went to Canada. But the Lord encouraged us, like not about you, is about him, and when he calls, he meets the provision.
3: We will not be looking at them as Europeans, neither we as Africans, but we will be seeing each other as a family, as uh, Christians, because the Bible is at the middle.
2: SIM are committed to building the global family of Christ by sending faithful witnesses from all over the world in order to bear witness to Christ where he is least known. It is a worldwide movement from one another to another, and it requires people like you and I each to bring our own unique gifts, skills, cultures, and experiences to the table, and in so doing, enriching our collective understanding and experience of what it means to be a follower of Christ. If you're interested in being part of this global mission, more information can be found at www.sim.co.uk.
4: I'm going to read from uh, Acts chapter 8, from verses 26 to the end, and um, it's the account of Philip and the Ethiopian. Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 26, reading to the end. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea.
1: Thank you very much for that reading. Let's pray as we come to understand what that means for us as a church. Father, thank you for your living word in the Bible. Thank you that when we read these ancient words, they breathe new life. They speak with vibrancy, with clarity into our present day. And we pray that you would open our ears, our eyes, our hearts to hear what you are saying to us as a church in this your word. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's hard to have gone through the last um, months, really, without the, the migration of people very much in our news, whether that's from Ukraine and the movements in Europe as a result of the violence and the war that's going on there, or whether you want to think about the movement of people from Hong Kong into this country. It's good to think about what what is going on when migration happens on such a large scale. These are big issues for us as not just Europeans, but they're issues for us globally. People are on the move more than ever. Over 270,000 people, sorry, 270 million people, are in a state of movement, whether that's forced or chosen. Europe is one of the places that people are most coming to, Asia alongside that. We are amongst many different peoples, many different backgrounds, and we have lots to work through as churches. How do we respond? What is God doing? How is he at work? How do we do our part in his mission as this takes place? The events in today's passage take place at one of the biggest, uh, greatest persecutions of the early church. We didn't have it read to us, but in chapter 8, verse 1, we have Saul not yet converted, not yet Paul. He's absolutely approving of the killing of Stephen in chapter 7. And when Stephen is killed, the church is, is, is pushed out from Jerusalem. They go everywhere, apart from those apostles of Jesus, those who spent their three years with him. Everyone leaves, everyone moves, and they all take the message of the gospel with them. And this section, we're just seeing how God used one man, Philip, to share the message of the gospel with an African so that the gospel reaches Africa before... It reaches Europe. It's wonderful, isn't it? In the midst of persecution, suffering, untold turmoil and strife, God is sovereignly working through the mess of our lives, his saving purposes by putting the message of the gospel and the scriptures into places, moving it into places where they haven't heard before. And it won't reach Europe until we reach chapter 16 with the man from Macedonia and all that goes on there. It actually reaches Africa first. We're dealing with lots of changes in this country as well as we do this. And we've been doing some recent research on what are the main barriers for the UK church in carrying out effective missions across ethnically diverse communities. It was a nationwide survey in July and August. We had... 650 responses and over 400 churches from evangelical backgrounds responded. The biggest challenge was a lack of understanding about local ethnicities. Over 60% of respondents articulated a lack of understanding of local ethnic needs and culture. There's a real barrier, a gap. There's also fear. We're real Brits, aren't we? We hate making mistakes. We don't want to get it wrong. And we don't want to offend. (laughs) And that often mutes us, doesn't it? How often have you been muted by that, I don't want to cause offense. I don't want to say the wrong thing. And so we go, "Mm." the fear of getting it wrong was one of the biggest things that stop us sharing the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. Finally, interestingly, it was the ethnically diverse leadership where there were lower barriers. We didn't we didn't target particular churches, but whether they're in Scotland, Wales, or Ireland or in, in England. But those with more diverse leaderships found it easier to navigate the differences. Those are just the things that we found. But these are relevant questions, aren't they? Relevant questions for us as to how we work across the different barriers of our of our society to together to share Christ where he's least known. So we're just looking this morning at what does it mean from this passage to undertake gospel spread God's way? What does that look like? What does it look like here? And I don't take Acts 8 to be the one way it happens, but I do think we we see revealed here the way God operates through the the movement of peoples, in this case the forced movement of people from his, his believers from Jerusalem, To ensure that more people hear the gospel. There'll be lessons for us. Things we need to learn. Things we need to hear as we go. First thing to note is how this is an encounter led by God's spirit. It's a divine intersection of actually the strangest kind, isn't it? It led the gospel, yes, reaching Africa before it gets to Europe. But it was an Ethiopian encountering a guide that he needs to discover Christ in what he's reading... And to respond with what can only be described as irrepressible faith. Let's firstly see how this is led by God's Spirit. This intersection of two very different people are actually in very different places as well. But there's a direct involvement of the Spirit. Do you notice that in verse 26? It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, there's a spoken word from the messenger, it's a big moment when God is moving his gospel to new regions. He, needs to, he sovereignly works out his purposes to ensure that the right people get to the right place. And in verse 29, we see it described how the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. The spirit is in direct operation to tell Philip what must be done. But notice that the geographical issue is a big one. And it's the middle of the day. It's a desert road. This road would have been a parched road. You wouldn't take it in the heat of the day. Who would do that? And you wouldn't you wouldn't go and do what Philip did unless you were convinced that this is what the Spirit wanted you to do. But the Spirit puts him in the right place at the right time. But what do we learn about the Ethiopian here? Because this wasn't an ordinary man, was he? And you, when you look at this, this passage in verse 27, you see, well, he's a eunuch. That means that he was castrated. And in no uncertain terms, coming from Jerusalem, the Old Testament law in Leviticus said that he was banned from entering into the temple courts. You're not, you don't belong here. Let's say I'm a Reading FC season ticket holder. Um, I, I do support Reading. Any Reading supporters here? It's just me. <laughs> but let's say I go to watch Oxford play, play not cricket football, and I, and I show my season ticket. You know, I'm a season ticket holder for Reading. Get out of here. You don't belong here. You don't belong here. You don't belong here. Excluded. And rightly so. I don't support Oxford. <laughs> Any supporters of Oxford here? No, no, no one else too. <laughs> My son supports Chelsea, but hey. But you get the point. If you're not allowed in, you're excluded. Excluded from the worship. This man was excluded from the worship of the temple in Jerusalem. But he's no less devoted. Even though he's not an Israelite, he's black he, he's devoted and he's a man of influence we're told here he was the Chancellor of the Exchequer for the Queen of the Ethiopians clearly a man of influence a man of wherewithal a man in a powerful position he also had lots of money He didn't just have his own chariot, his own limousine, you might say, in those days. He actually had his own Bible, his own parchment. He was reading the scriptures himself. He had all the means to access the Bible for himself. And yet, this excluded man, wanting to worship God, didn't know the Christ that he needed to know. God wanted this man in his people. He wanted this man as a part of his people. And so he takes Philip and he puts him in the right place at the right time. It's almost comedy, isn't it? The way it happens. Oh, just go by that chariot, Philip. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. So jogging along. You can just picture. it. And uh, you know, it, it, it reads like a, like a comedy sketch. Philip, running up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. there he is. He's reading out loud. he doesn't know what he's reading, but he's just reading it. He wants to know the God who wrote it. But as he listens, um, the, spirit, you know, Philip, the spirit tells Philip to go to, to stay nearer the chariot, so he is jogging alongside as the chariot's going along, and then Philip runs up to the chariot, here's the man reading, and he asks the question, "Do you understand what you're reading?" oh yeah, this guy, sorry, where'd you come from? <laughs> I thought I was on my own here. <laughs> and then he says, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. I mean, this kind of <clears throat> chance encounter is not dissimilar. Let's say for a moment, I go to New York for, on a, for a Tesla conference to find out about how how the Tesla car works. And I come away with you know, the manual on the latest Tesla model. But I, I wasn't able to get into the conference. I didn't hear any of the talks, I just came away with the manual. And there I am on a, on a, on a let's say I'm on my train journey from, from London to where I live, sort of down the East Coast, beyond Ipswich. It's a bus replacement, it's that bad. It's in the middle of the night, there's no one else on the train, no one else on the bus, There I am, reading this manual, going, what's going on? I don't understand it. And then this guy walks down the middle of the the carriage, and he he says, oh, hi. Do you understand what you're reading? Well, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. This feels, like, ridiculous, doesn't it? And imagine if that guy was Elon Musk's own top engineer for Tesla. This is the kind of thing we're talking about. God puts the right person in the right place to share the right news. The reason we know this is the right person, Philip, in Luke 22, was there at the Last Supper when Jesus quotes from this manuscript saying that this must be fulfilled about me. Philip was there. He saw Jesus break the bread. He saw him pour the wine, hand it out. This is my blood. He witnessed the crucifixion. He heard him say... This Isaiah manuscript is about me. And I don't know what Philip must have been thinking at the time, but God, you've, you've redone this, haven't you? You've stitched me up on this. I'm right here. Nothing to do with me, everything to do with you. In the right place, at the right time. I wonder if you've ever had an experience like that. When we served in, in Uganda as a family, I had a, I had a, I had a carpenter called Dowden. He was a Muslim man who you could tell by his head, headwear that he was. And he, he brought the bookcases that we needed. And he saw us putting Bibles on the shelf. And he said, do you mind if I ask you a question? I said, no, go ask any question. Don't mind at all. He said, why do you believe in three gods? Again, it's oh, yes, a, it's a great question, isn't it? Because if you're from a Muslim background, you believe there is only one God. And actually, if you hear the, the, the Christian talk about one God, yet father, son and spirit, it doesn't make sense. That sounds like three, not one. And I said to him, well, yeah, Christians find this really hard to understand as well. So I just turned up from John 8 and John 10, how Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Not two, not three, but one. Oh good, he said. Comes back another day, another bookcase. He says, I've got another question. Do you mind if I ask you? Says, sure, ask away. I hadn't even prayed for this guy. Why do you believe God died on a cross? Again, it's a great question. See, if he's doing the maths, isn't he? You believe there's only one God. And you believe he came as a man, and you believe that he died as a man on a cross for our sake. How could God die on a cross? From Muslim background, some of you may know that the teaching is that Jesus was likely swapped because a prophet can't die in that way. So at the last minute, the prophet was swapped out for someone else, and Jesus was subbed on for someone. Or someone else was subbed on for him. We just turned up, yeah, Mark 8. If you've done Christian Explored, you would be equipped to do this. So would, and just explain how Jesus, or well, Mark ten forty five, Jesus gives his life to buy us out of slavery to our wrongs and to God's judgment. He came back with John and he said, can you tell John what you told me because we both want to become Christians? I, I'm, I'm not a rocket so I'm not a I'm not brilliant bloke. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Have you ever had that experience? He said, can you come and up country and see my family? And uh, I said, sure, how long is it? Not far, he said. Eight hours later, chickens around the anchors, sweating like a pig. There I am in the middle of his village. And he sat me down on a, on a Coke crate for, for our sort of accommodation, gave me a bottle of Coke for, for hospitality. He gathered his whole family His whole family. He said, please tell them what you told me because they've never heard it. Now, if you know the value of what you've heard, don't you want everyone to know? Really? You know, you don't have to go to Uganda to find people who've never heard the gospel. In the curry houses of Woodbridge, where I live with the nan-tossing blokes, age 50 upwards, who are drunkenly chucking them around. There's a guy from Bangladesh. It took me three minutes for him to ask me the question, why do you believe Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient for your sin? Yet the guys around me, they don't want to know. And and, and we'll be familiar with this dynamic. You know, my son plays cricket. We're in a situation where we're watching them do their net practice and their, and their, and their cricket matches. And the guy on my right, <clears throat> he says, you know, whenever I went to church, it was pretty boring. He said, I always came away feeling judged, condemned. And to be honest, I, I, it didn't do much good. And I said, that's funny, because whenever we did church, we try to explain, explain what God's word says in language people understand. Like, I thought, just chuck it out there. Grace, I said, God's undeserved love. He's 55, this guy. He said, really? Is that what it means? God's undeserved love. I said, yeah, that's exactly what it means. Wow, he said. I never heard that. What about sin? He said, what's that mean? (laughs) You know, I look look left. My mate is looking at me. Steve, do you never stop doing your job? (laughs) Now, that's a white middle class way of saying, shut up. And if you don't shut up, our friendship's stopping now. Now, we live in that environment, don't we? Have we gone on mute? Have we stopped listening to the voice of the Spirit? Have we started listening more to the person who doesn't want to hear? Have we started believing that there aren't people there who really want to know? Because God wants to draw people from all nations into his kingdom. And he wants to use us as his people. You don't have to be sent overseas like the hunts you'll be praying for tonight. It's amazing what, what they're doing. And it's wonderful partnering with you as a church to see John and Abby in a very hard place where their colleagues are being kidnapped. It's not an easy place to be, but by God's grace, they're there. In an, in an easy place to be, by God's grace, are we here listening to his spirit? On the train to work with our neighbours that we've tried to tell the message with <laughs> or our mates at school. I mean, my kids, they all believe in Christ, but the confidence it takes to say I'm with Jesus in a school environment where ninety five percent of people have no knowledge of Christ, we're in an unreached situation in this country when 70% of people in Europe between the age of 18 to 25 say they don't don't recognize any religion in their life they don't belong to any we're in a situation where my colleagues from East Africa, West Africa, Central Asia they're saying we want to send people into this country we want to send people because it is the dark continent that, that you once thought we were we all need the gospel but we all need to be led by God's spirit and be open to really the most strangest encounters. So, first thing I just want to impress upon us are we open? A friend of mine who's a Ukrainian pastor, right near the border of Russia, the moment the invasion began, the church obviously stopped meeting, buildings were being bombed around them. They didn't know what was going on with their people. They didn't know what was going on with their property. Their life was completely changed in a flash. And he said, do you know, all I could do was turn to prayer. And by prayer, the Lord has led him out of Ukraine, but now wants to be back in there, continuing the church planting work that has begun. But none of that happens without prayer. We don't hear the voice of the Spirit unless we read his word and pray. So, encourage you, whatever age, whatever stage, whatever backgrounds, how are you praying? Are you listening to the leading of God's Spirit? Some of us will have those things saying, maybe I could do that. No, I can't. (laughs) Absolutely not. Well, join the club. None of us can. Without the enabling of God's Spirit, (laughs) none of us can do anything by faith. Next two points are a lot shorter. <clears throat> because this man discovers Christ in the scriptures. You know, the way Philip guides this Ethiopian to faith in Christ is, is by directly answering the Ethiopian's question. Do you notice that in the passage? We look at verses 32 to 34. So there he is. He's he's jumped in the carriage by now. He's been invited in. He's sitting with the Ethiopian eunuch. We're told, and this is from verse 32. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a, a sheep to the slaughter as a, as a lamb before its shearer is silent. He didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? It's a great question. Because if it's a personal question about himself, the prophet, it's about his personal experience. If it's about someone else, about another person's experience, whose, whose experience is this? You can just picture the Ethiopian relating to this. As a man, a eunuch, excluded. He might easily read this as someone who Has been deprived of justice. Someone who will have no descendants. He can relate to this passage. But as Philip rolled this skull down and up, he would have seen the words that Jesus himself explained when he was walking the earth and at the Last Supper. You can just imagine him talking through each of those lines. Well, my friends, Jesus was led like a sheep to slaughter when he was betrayed, arrested by those who wanted him dead. My friend, Jesus. Jesus was the lamb who was silent before its shearer. When he was questioned by Herod, the guards mocked him and he was flogged, he remained silent. Jesus, my friend was deprived of justice when Pilate found no grounds for death penalty. Do you remember what Pilate said in Luke? I found no charge. This man's innocent. My friend, Jesus. His life was taken when Roman authorities crucified him. And when he called out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. His life was taken from the earth. Jesus. To see the scales falling from this man's eyes. Who told you the message? Know, how, when did you experience that? If you have experienced that, for me it was a, a youth leader, age 14. For some, it may be someone at work who was bold enough to actually say over lunchtime, "Do you mind if we read something?" Oops. If you were my dad, uh, if he was still alive, he'd tell you that it was the love of his his wife. Uh, who just gently loved him and, and steadily testified to Christ. It took him 30 years to come to Christ. But who told you? It could have been at school, the Gideons passing around the Bibles, or whoever it is. But imagine those places where the schools don't have Bibles, where there is no church, where there is no one in the workplace. Imagine the place, imagine having no youth group where you can hear the gospel. Imagine no community where there's even even a Christian he could love you for long enough to speak the message of Christ two in five people will go through their lives like ever hearing that message what about them we all need a guide like Philip we all do and the question is how can God use me and you know, if if it's a case of next week, okay, rub hits the road next week, next month. Could you be praying for someone you travel in the same carriage with? Could you be praying for the person you're working with? Could you be praying for your neighbor? Could you be looking for an opportunity just to say, just to listen to their question and say, do you know what, Jesus has got something to say to that. I was in the pub the other night, someone said the earth's going to pot, isn't it? One person said this 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 um, one of the mums of our children's friends said Well to be honest I think the earth is just spewing humanity out and getting rid of us. It's time we left the planet. The guy, the come more sort of capitalist approach, entrepreneurial guy, said, rubbish. We've got enough in our power to overcome this issue. We're gonna stay on this planet for as long as it takes. We will overcome. The guy next to me says, Steve, you're a Bible-believing Christian. What does the Bible say about that? Is it any different? Unless they've got someone willing to speak and actually answer the questions, how are they going to hear about the hope of the new creation, about the fact that this doesn't surprise Jesus or anybody? Do we have those messages to share? We do. Are we ready? Are we available? I haven't come here to give you a guilt trip. I've come here to say, look at Christ. Take the questions we hear to him and pray for opportunities. Let him give you grace as a church to be effective in those ways as well. Finally, just to point out, notice how his faith, the faith of the eunuch, was irrepressible. I mean, this, this guy, <clears throat> you can't fault his conviction, can you? Because there in those verses, verse 36, they traveled along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch says, look, here's some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? He's ready. He's heard enough. He wants to get down. And he leads the process, doesn't he? It's all about what he wants to do. Philip isn't saying, come on, get down in the water. <laughs> he's, he's grabbing Philip. Saying, Come on, Philip, let's go. Philip's saying, that water, really? <laughs> no, he, he gets down. The eunuch gives the orders. He steps down with Philip into the water and he goes on his way rejoicing. Wouldn't you, if you'd just met Christ? My West African colleagues are, are forming a team in Mali to, one of these faithful witness teams to share the gospel in a community where there is no church. They've been writing to to S.I.M. team saying when can you send us a missionary because we would love to receive what you're you're saying. It's amazing isn't it? We're not used to that idea people asking for missionaries but that's what's happening. But this West African uh, man he said we must confess it wasn't an easy decision to make to go to this tribal group to, to change my lifestyle to go into a different place. It's really hard. But knowing that there are people dying without the opportunity of hearing about salvation in Jesus, that is reason enough for us. And listen to what he told me. He said, what good is a hundred lamps in one room when there are thousands and millions without any light in complete darkness? how many lamps in this room how many believers in Christ what good is it to have a room full of believers in Christ if we're not willing to be in those places that are without Christ and I just want to say thank you for your partnership with the Chards with the Hunts with those from other organisations it's wonderful to see the way you're supporting and sending keep doing that. Keep holding the ropes. Keep praying. Keep supporting. Keep giving. Keep doing all that's possible to keep them sustained as they serve in these hard places. God is using them. But God is using you. You are involved in their stories. Your giving, your praying, your involvement means that you are directly involved in more people hearing the gospel in their lifetime. Be encouraged. What a wonderful church to be a part of. There may be people here thinking, do you know what? The Lord is at work in my heart to be more useful. I don't know what that is. And I may have lots of reasons, health, all these different things, the grandkids, all those sorts of questions. (laughs) But maybe the Lord could use you. You know, in Thailand, if you go in as a Christian, you're basically viewed as 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 a kind of a cultural terrorist. You're other. But my friends that are professionals who go into Bangkok or into Malaysia as business people they have unique opportunities to speak of Christ it's the same in the North Africa in in Saudi in all these places God is using people who with their skills to share the gospel in hard to reach places he could use you now we had a guy 65 years old who began a business of teaching English as a foreign language in Addis Ababa and used that to share the gospel. He just took what he knew and he did it in a place where it was tricky. And that's what we're here to support. That's what we're here to help. We want to provide that to more and more churches. We want to provide that to more people. And thank you for your prayers and support as we do that. But fundamentally, let's hear the voice of God in this passage. God is sovereign to draw people to himself by providing the guide they need to explain, to they discover Christ from the Scriptures, so they go away with irrepressible faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for those who told us this wonderful message. Thank you for you are at work across your world, drawing people irresistibly to your Son through the words that that you have written in scripture. Thank you for those who are at work amongst your church, sharing the gospel in these hard places. Please give them energy and strength. We particularly think of those connected to this church. We pray that you'd give them grace and strength, you'd make them useful in your service. You'd help us to know how to support and strengthen them daily and weekly and monthly. We do pray for a everyone here today, we ask that you would expand our vision, give us faith, and that love of Christ that says he's worth knowing, even in the darkest of places, and move us to action that depends
3: on you. We ask that in your name. Amen.